Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast. We have Andrew Jordan Nance with us today. He's the mindful, he's a mindfulness author, and we just started talking, and already we're jumping into what is mindfulness and how does it work and some different things. And I think what's really interesting is when people say, what does it mean to be an expert? It means that you can talk to a six-year-old and educate them on what that means to be mindful or to be whatever it is in your expertise. If you can explain it to a six-year-old, you can be considered an expert in some cultures and some concepts. And Andrew has really like focused in on the elementary side of education and he's brought a curriculum i believe that is built for teaching mindfulness and teaching real world practices to children and i think in a world where children are the future what an incredible thing to do and i'm so grateful to have you on the podcast for us to talk a little bit more about this and just kind of discover a little bit more about who you are what led you into this this um this gift and how you do what you do. Without any further ado, Andrew, hello. Hey, hello. Nice to meet you, Dan. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So boy, it's a long story. So you want me to just plow into it? Yeah, jump right in. All right. So I have a background in theater. I went to New York University and I got my degree from there. And then I wound up uh, teaching uh, um, theater uh, after college after a few other little mini moments of work. And, uh, and then I, I found myself running a theater conservatory about, gosh, not that long after college, probably about four years after college, no, a little longer, six, seven years after college. And it just grew and grew and grew. And I was there for almost 20 years. And um, then my mom passed away in 2013. And I just thought, I need a new chapter, you know, I need to do something different. And so I took some classes and eventually found myself at the Greater Good Science Center in at UC Berkeley. They had, I don't know if they still do, had this wonderful week-long symposi- symposium, and it was kind of like a sleepaway camp for teachers. And it was all about learning social and emotional learning. And one of those components was mindfulness. And so I uh, went to the first seminar of the day and Mindful Schools was there. And they're a great online resource for anyone interested in learning how to teach mindfulness to youth. So they started playing these quote unquote mindful games. And I had this sort of light bulb moment that these games were the games that I played in theater school, that I played with my uh, cast mates if I was directing a play or if I was in a play. And I just saw that there was such a similarity between theater training and mindfulness training. Both invite the participants to be in the present, both invite the participants to connect with the pres- uh, with, with your emotional state, with what the other people around you might be saying or feeling or doing. You don't wanna be thinking about the future or the past or things you can't control. Um, you know, if your mom's in the audience or if a reviewer's in the audience or, you know, what's for dinner after the show or anything like that, <laughs> you really just wanna, you know, be with what the, present moment is giving you. Um, and that is mindfulness as well. The Where they diverge, I believe, is mindfulness wants us to respond wisely to a situation, but on stage, we do want to react blindly uh, to situations. You know, we they say in acting school, acting is reacting. Um, And of course there's rehearsals involved, but you also wanna go with the given circumstance. You know, sometimes in a show, things don't go as planned. You know, someone goes up on their lines, forgets their lines, and you just have to, you know, dance with it and figure out 
uh, what to do next skillfully. Um, and you have to be really listening. You know, you can't just be waiting for your next line on stage. You actually have to be listening to a person, you know, which is hard for some people to do. But that is also part of a mindfulness practice is to really listen, um, see, touch, smell, feel. And of course, any good actor is also trying to do those things as well. So uh, to continue on. It's cool. Uh, Thank it, you it, for it, sharing that. It's, yeah. I've never thought about this concept of theater and mindfulness being cousins, the yeah. same thing. It's, I it's, would always have said you need to be mindful to be an actor, but you're almost leveling the playing field with the two of them and just saying mindfulness is what an added wisdom where right. acting is a reactive factor yeah. of improv almost. That's right. Exactly. I mean, anyone will tell you like, God, you know, like a theater person will say, God, you know, I just had a bad night last night on stage. I just wasn't there. You know, I kept, I kept wandering off and any mindfulness person will say that, you know, yeah, I had a meditation the other day. I just wasn't <laughs> loving it. You know, I did it, but I just wasn't loving it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, and so there's just similar things happening all the time. So because theater training is brain training, you know, you're you're saying, you know, all right, keep in the present moment here. Keep imagining you're on a desert island with, you know, a person you hate or whatever the scenario is. You know, you can't just go, wait a minute. No, we're actually just in a theater and, you know, and it's cold. It's not hot. And, um, you know, you really just have to keep um, with the given circumstances. Um, and like I said, that's also mindfulness training is just be with what is so you can be skillful with what is. Interesting. Is yeah. mindfulness a character? A character. Interesting. Wow. That's a great question. Uh, I haven't thought about that enough to, to give you a great answer for that. Um, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, you say brain training, which is leading to the focus and placing yourself in a character for the acting side of mm -hmm. it. But the, for me, mindfulness is a brain state yeah. of sorts. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder, is it something the way you are as an actor jump into a role? Are you jumping into a role or is mindfulness happening to you? And I, I just think there's an interesting distinction yeah. process within those two. Right. I, you know, I do think, you know, when we, you know, when we, when we lead meditations or we're in a meditation that's guided, you know, the instructor will say, you know, all right, now find a mindful posture or whatever's comfortable to you. And in some ways, that's what an actor is asked to do is, you know, find your character, find how they might sit, how they might stand, how they might walk, how they might talk how they might breathe, you know, some people might, some characters might breathe differently. So it is saying, you know, let's, let's become focused here. Let's become mindful. Um, so it, it is, a, it is a state of being. So I think you're onto something. Have you ever focused on channeling? Oh, no. Have you? I mean, I love, I personally, I, I've liked it a lot and I've invited the practice in and I think yeah. it comes in a lot of different method acting might be another uh -huh. way people talk about channeling. Okay. Well then, yes, absolutely. I've done one person shows where I've played 34 different people and wow. you're absolutely right. Every night before I did the show, it was, uh, I won an award for it. Uh, it actually won the, won a Pulitzer, I think on, from wow. Broadway. Um, uh, uh, what was it called? It's called, I am my own wife. And I played a, uh, German transvestite who um, was trying to um, protect herself from the Nazis and the Stasi. And I played wow. 34 different characters, someone from Texas, uh, many different German accents, uh, men, women, and I just had to transform. And I, and I, every night before I opened the door for a two hour play mm -hmm. and was this German transvestite, um, named Charlotte von Malsdorf, um, <laughs> I said, you know, I welcome you. And I, and I let her into my body. Yes. And, and so that is channeling 
that yes. I guess I, I'm getting goosebumps because you're yeah. absolutely right. I forgot that I, I apparently can channel. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it leads to this concept of like, are we channeling mindfulness? Mm. Are we channeling focus? And I don't know. It's just, I've never thought about theater and mindfulness this way. And it's, it's fascinating. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, to me, it's like, inviting my best self in, you know, Oof. or to awaken, you yes. know, awaken. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that's, you know, that's what mindfulness is too, is this, it's this awakening practice of, of, um, you know, just allowing the mind to work at its best, you know, to allow the body to work at its best, mm -hmm. to allow the heart to work at its best. You know, um, if we can just really, be open, we're just going to have such more uh, enriched lives and enriched moments. If I put you in a box and asked you to define mindfulness, what would you say it is just for the audience out there? Yeah, it was like so, new to this, right? So since I work with six year olds, like you're talking about, I work with pre K through fifth grades, I try to keep it really simple. Um, there's some there's some mindfulness, uh, terms out there or or phrases out there that resonate with an adult audience but i would say mindfulness is the practice of connecting with our breath so that uh, we can be more present kind and curious that would be what i would say to a, a six-year-old wow. yeah, yeah. Um, because there's another phrase that you hear a lot that's um you know what is it uh non-judgmental awareness. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't think of those phrases very often, but it's a really common phrase that mindfulness is, you know, showing up in the present moment without judgment. And, you know, and if you say that to a six-year-old, does that resonate? <laughs> really, it doesn't, you know, and it's, and it also comes back to my acting training that you need to have a doable task when you're tackling um, a character. So yeah. mindfulness is the practice of using your breath. Okay, good. Now I know I need to use my breath to connect with my heart. Okay. I can go down to my heart, see how my heart's feeling. I can connect with my mind. All right. I can go up to my mind and then I can check in with my body to see how it is. And I'm going to do it all with kindness. So that all makes sense to me. Um, you know, I think wow. the, tr thank you. <laughs> the trick is um, not to get too heady about this. You know, I think, I think one of the problems with the word mindfulness is that it just sort of shoves you up into your mind rather than your heart or your body, uh, because it's all part of us and our minds aren't the solution to everything. You know, uh, you know, a lot of trauma lives in the body and we think we can think our way out of trauma. And that's not it, I don't think. You really have to be able to just witness the body's need to be felt and heard and seen and talked to um, and comforted. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, I think talk therapy is, is helpful, but it's not, it's not the be all end all. Um, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, we're animals and Every other animal doesn't have the ability to speak their their trauma out, you know. So, it's 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 almost uh, foolhardy to imagine that just because you talk about your trauma, that means that you're healing it. Um, I think that's part of it, um, but it's also about tending to the body's trauma as well. Yeah, may I ask how you discovered this? Whew. I know, you know I know. It's trial and error, but um, what I realized about the body and the mind um, and the heart is that it it needs to be. Um, uh, often we think that uncomfortable sensations need to be uh, expelled, right? Um, so, like if you have a cold, you sneeze. If you have a fever, you sweat. If you're sick, you throw up or you do something else. Um, if you um, are hot, you sweat. If you're cold, you kind of shake it off. Um, just, you know, just 
endless what the body wants to expel. Same thing with emotions. If we're angry, we yell. If we're sad, we cry. If we're think something's funny, we laugh. Um, If we have a big thought in our minds, if we talk about it, 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 it's released. Um, However, mindfulness asks us to turn towards the uncomfortable um, or whatever's going on in the body. Um, Even just even turning towards joy and that can feel uncomfortable too. You know, sometimes if you're in such a joyous mode or a moment, it almost feels scary because, you know, could this ever be this good, you know, that we're here on a beach and I'm with my loved one and the seagulls and the pelicans and the dolphins are here, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, you don't want to let this moment go. Um, So, so through trial and error, I've realized that I need to tend to my own uncomfortability um, so I can be there for myself and those around me. Um, Often when I see kids in the hallway, let's say, or having a difficult time in class, um, I'll see them be really, really uncomfortable having a big emotion. And rather than try to fix it, I'll just get curious about it, which is again, as a mindfulness practice. Um, So I'll like, I'll go up to someone in the hall and I say, oh boy, you know, they're kind of crumpled on the on the hall floor and I'll say, Oh boy, it looks like you're having a big emotion. And they'll, they'll nod their head and I'll, I'll sit right next to them. And I'll say, do you feel hot or cold? And and they'll say, I feel hot. And do you feel big or little? And they'll say, I feel little. And is your heart beating fast or slow? Is your heart open or closed? And they'll just answer the way they feel. Uh, Does there's no right or wrong. And once I kind of do this sort of body, heart, mind scan with them, um, I'll say, do you think you can wiggle your toes now? And um, they might shake their head and say no. And I'll say, it's okay, it's okay. We'll just keep breathing. Let's, let's choose your favorite way to breathe. And they might say breathing ball breath or coyote breathing or, or spidey breathing. Um, and then if they can wiggle their toes, I know their prefrontal cortex is, is online. And I'll say congratulations or good job or high five or whatever. And they're, they're, they wake up enough to be able to do the next right thing, which is probably to go back into class. And so, uh, you know, they usually leave with a smile on their face uh, because they've been able to tend to that part of their bodies that were in pain. And um, often we get hijacked when we have big emotions. You know, you've been there with your, you know, with your partner. Um, you know, you're just you say and do things that you regret. And if you if we can just take that breath tend to the uncomfortability that's showing up uh, in our bodies, we're going to be more skillful with what we do next. And so that's the skill, the life skill I really want to impart on these kids is that we don't have to be at the mercy of these big emotions. um, Because, you know, otherwise, we're just going to feel like they're constantly bossing us around throughout our entire lives. Wow, that's so cool. I love that step-by-step process to almost, you're almost having a a Socrates kind of conversation where the dialogue becomes emotion, physical. Right, right. And that is to transition, you're transitioning the mind to the body, to the soul. Yeah, yeah. To play in that middle space is very unique. Mm. It's Thank really- you. Yeah. You know, I think it, it, it's sort of this intuitive quality that came with all my acting training. Yeah. I knew that I couldn't be there fully in the moment without understanding what my body and my heart and my mind were up to and what, what sort of life hacks I can use when my mind is wandering, when I'm on stage, you know, it's really, really easy trick. But, you know, if your mind is thinking about the laundry that you have to do when you fold, you know, when you get home, um, you just take a breath, you, you start looking at the other actor, you start saying, oh, they're nodding their head. Oh, they're smiling. Oh, they're, you know, whatever it is. And suddenly you're back in the moment and the thought of the laundry is gone. Um, 
And again, it's turning toward turning toward it rather than going, oh, brother, this always happens to me when I'm on stage. I hate that, you know? Right. That's the not going to be the fear response. Fear. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And the self, you know, the, the bad self-talk or the, yeah. the, you know, the um, unhelpful self-talk. <laughs> right. Exactly. You mentioned breath ball and spider yeah. breath. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What are those? Okay. All right. Things? So, all right. So I know this isn't a visual medium, but. Um, Let's play. Okay. So. Uh, audience, put your fingers together and then have both your, your fingers touch or both hands touching. And then you're just going to breathe in and you're going to turn your hands into a ball and you don't have to uh, stop touching your, your fingertips together. And then you're going to breathe out and you're going to make the ball deflate and you're going to breathe in and you're going to make the ball big and you're going to breathe out make the ball small. And you can do this at a business meeting. You can do this on a boring podcast <laughs> where your hands are just below the screen and you're like, oh my gosh, this person <laughs> needs to stop talking. <laughs> um, so just breathe. And you can do that, you know, when you're, when you know, you really need to be there for someone, you know, when your wife is needing to talk to you about something and your mind is still racing about something that happened to you early in the day, just come back to your breath and do breathing ball breath. And then spidey breathing. Um, it used to be Spider-Man breathing, but now I think the multiverse has all of these different <laughs> genders. So, and of course, you know, girls like Spidey too. So I call it Spidey breathing. Yeah. And basically um, you put your, what, your ring finger and your middle finger uh, down like you're shooting webbing. Um, and if you don't know how Spidey shoots their webbing, just Google it. Um, and you basically breathe in and you breathe out and you breathe in. And you can do this actually while you're driving, you can sort of do Spidey breathing with the steering wheel. Um, and then this is really sweet. Um, if you have kids in your life, the same movement um, in sign language, if you turn your, your hands uh, toward someone you love is I love you breathing. Um, and so you can do, I love you breathing with your five-year-old before they go to bed or before they go off to school or, you know, to your loved one as, as you know, you wow. leave for the day or something. So and just raise those fingers up and down. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Just raise those fingers up and down. How, what's the point where, okay, the breath has worked. Is there a physical response that you see click yeah. where it's like, okay, we can, we can now transition into the next question, thought process stage. Totally. I mean, I just did that with a kid the other day. He was about ready to pick a fight with a kid in class as I was arriving. And I, you know, it's hard to see what's going on underneath the masks because we're all wearing masks still. Oh, um, wow. But, um, but I had my hand on his shoulder and I knew he hadn't been, he hadn't been doing what I was encouraging to do, which was take a breath. But then after about three times of saying, you know, breathing, breathe in, I felt his shoulders drop. Yeah. And there it is. I, knew, I knew that he had woken up and I said, all right, do you think you can go back to your seat? And he nodded and he went back to his seat. So again, he, he was hijacked, didn't know what to do about it, knew he was needing to get rid of this uncomfortability that was hanging around. Um, but by turning inward, he was able to make a more skillful choice. Mm. So cool. You, you've written books that integrate this? Yes. Is that how the medium that you've kind of chosen to bring this in? Well, you know, I had worked with Mindful Schools curriculum for about six months and I ran out of curriculum. And so this was in 2014 or 2015, I think 2014. And um, I went to a bookstore and looked for mindfulness books and it was a spiritual bookstore. So I thought I'd find plenty. But back then, there, excuse me, there weren't a lot. So I uh, bought one anyway, because it seemed like it had the nicest cover and the <laughs> nicest paper. But you'd be amazed at what was out there, you know, 
2014. I mean, it looked like someone had gone to a Xerox machine and, you know, glued it together <laughs> or something. It was really bad. Um, so I, uh, I uh, brought this book in and I read it to them and they just were not that into it. They kind of were looking at the ceiling and they were, these were like four-year-olds and or five-year-olds. So, um, so I knew I had sort of failed and, you know, as an actor, you don't want to fail in front of an audience. So, um, so I said, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write these ideas that I have sort of swimming around in my head. Yeah. And uh, so I went home and I wrote four manuscripts for children's books. And one of them was my first book that got published called Puppy Mind. And it's all about that wandering mind, that playful part of our ourselves that just wanders off whenever it feels like it. And we just have no idea how to bring it back. Um, you know, and the book talks about how we can use our breath, we can use our kindness to bring it back again and again. Um, and uh, we can be more focused and more connected and more uh, aware um, just through that simple practice. And then, um, yeah, and that book got published that summer, or, you know, it started the process of getting published that summer. Uh, it took about a year eventually to get it published. And then the next book was The Lion in Me, which is all about anger and how to name and tame anger. So we're not at the mercy of it. Um, and it talks about how it shows up in his fists first, it shows up in his belly, and then it shows up in his face and it shows up in his shoulders. And so it really teaches kids to be aware of when our biggest emotion, which is anger, shows up. So we know how to dance with it. Um, and, um, you know, it also talks about bullying a little bit. Like there's a, there's a kid in the hallway that tries to get him angry and he starts to get angry, but he knows what to do. He, he uh, takes a deep breath and counts to four um, and he's able to not let it bug him. And it actually frustrates the bully in the hallway. The bullies, you know, crossed his arms and it's like, darn it. This kid always gets mad when I tease him. Uh, but not today, not today. So uh, it's a really great book. Um, you know, I don't know if, if you're like me, but I think guys in general, um, and of course, women too, but in general, there's a, there's a tyranny to anger. You know, anger shows up in our lives and really messes with our relationships, um, how we just maneuver. I have friends that have male friends specifically that have huge road rage and you just never want to drive with them um, because it's so scary. Um, and these are, you know, nice people that are therapists and things like that. And, you know, it's just, it's just this tyranny that's just always there, you know, ready to take over, you know. And I just, I just felt like that, that book had to be written, especially for, for young boys who, um, you know, just throw things and hit things and um, say things that they just feel terrible about. And they're just sort of shocked, you know? I think we've all been there, you know, in our lives where you do something and you're just like, I can't even believe that was me, but I just behaved really badly in that situation, you know? Um, so it's to address that moment in our lives. Wow. And, yeah. So then there's two others, which I can yeah. talk about or, or, or not. Would you be willing to? I would love to. The wandering okay. mind is the puppy mind. So it's more <laughs> for this kind of focus and learning how to just kind of be mindful. It's the intro yeah. to mindfulness. Yeah. Is it really it sounds is. Like. yeah. And then the, the, the last uh, book for kids is The Barefoot King, which is all about a young king uh, who stubs his toe on a rock when he's out for a walk. And he decides he's gonna change the world because of it. But instead he winds up learning how to change his mind. And it's all about sort of happiness, mindfulness, changing the world starts with from within so that we can be smart enough to go out and try to change the world uh, uh, eventually. But first the work starts from within. Oh, it's so valuable. I think so too. Cause you know, it's sort of, I've always sort of chuckled at the Don Quixote myth, you know, where you, you go out and you tackle windmills as a way to sort of solve <laughs> life's problems, and, you know, and it's just not how it works. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it starts you know what do they say about politics you know politics starts local well mindfulness starts really local you know within the body itself um so we can create the community kind of communities that we uh value and think are work the best yeah um, and then the last book that uh I want to just mention is mindful arts in the classroom um, and i've it's a 300 page curriculum where we talk about all these different concepts it's sort of like a script actually i wrote it as a script for teachers to use in their classrooms whether they're a mindfulness instructor or they're the primary teacher um, and there's like 14 stories from all over the world um, that I that I've curated. I found this. I found the kernel of the story, and then I turned them into my own uh, story. And I, and they're rhyming. And I actually wanted to read one to you, which I, if I can find it. Um, awesome. I was hoping I, that we could read one of the stories. Yeah. It's it's. Um, let's see if I can find it. There's. It's super cute, and um, I think it might even resonate with you specifically. And here it is. Okay. I call it the wise man and the two wolves. And um, it's a Native American story. And here we go. One evening, the wisest of men gathered together his children. He said, the battle of two wolves is inside us all, whether we are very big or very small. One wolf is angry, full of hate, meanness, rage, disgust, and laziness. The other wolf is kind, full of joy, generosity, love, gratitude, and curiosity. The children thought about it, and then one grinned, asking his father, which wolf will win? The wise man simply replied, the one we feed inside. The story is simple, but true. There are two wolves in each of you. Our thoughts feed the wolves each and every day. Which wolf will you feed and in what way? Every moment we can choose to feed our kind wolf positivity or feed our mean wolf with lots of negativity. So the question to ask each day is which wolf will I feed today? <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Thank and you're you. so intuitive because behind me is the kind wolf and to the side of me off screen is the angry wolf. I had that vibe the moment I saw it. I was like, <laughs> that is the kind wolf right there. Yep. Yeah. 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 And it is because yeah. you're exactly right. And it is what we feed. Yeah. It's what is what kind of expression are we going to put in today? Right. Do we want to feed reactivity or do <sighs> we responsiveness, you know, and it's not about, you know, it's not about being nice, you know, it's not what we're looking for. We're just looking for that, that desire to make our kindest choice, our best choice or our most helpful choice, you know? Um, yeah. As a people pleaser, that was a really hard concept to learn. This whole thing is you don't, it's not about being nice, right? Positivity is not about people pleasing because that's coming from a different place and a different route. That's it right. It really is about just nurturing your highest self. And then in turn, like you said, the highest self of others as you then, as you work through your highest self. Right. That's right. Yeah. I think being nice is, oh, sure. I'll, you know, no, we'll do whatever you want rather than, you know, no, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that doesn't sound like a good plan for me. You know, boundaries, right. Boundaries. Mm -hmm. There's a kindness there that doesn't feel like you're suffocating your own thought process and feelings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's a tricky one. You know, a lot of people want so much to be nice and you know speaking of animals it's you know it's like am i a beta or am i an alpha yeah. and you know and maybe i need to be more alpha or and sometimes and maybe i need to be more beta sometimes you know alpha is the the yeah. animal in charge of the pack um beta is the more subservient creature mm -hmm. do you with this alpha beta concept do you think that there 
I, we're heading into this time where alpha has such a stigma to that word. Mm. And it almost is in order to be an alpha, you have to understand how to choose beta. Mm. It, have you yeah. been in that space at all? I have. I, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, there are, there are times where I really feel like I need to pull back. You know, I'm, I'm 56 years old and I, I feel like I've sort of been around the block a lot of times. So when someone has a problem, I feel, you know, like, oh, well, I know how to fix that. But I really try to pull myself back and let the group talk about it. Let's let's get different points of view. And quite frankly, sometimes someone will say something that actually had never occurred to me. So I think um, as an older white man, too, I feel like, you know, sometimes I feel like I know it all. Um, and that's just not the case. You know, there's just so many more choices in the world that one mind can can imagine. And it's just really cool to open up the floor for everyone to, to participate. Because I think you're right. You know, I think I think community is where we can really grow if we all sort of put uh, our thoughts and feelings into the circle. Uh, we'll make smarter choices that benefit the whole. Um, you know, in fact, I think the Dalai Lama said the next Buddha will won't be an individual, but will be a community. Um, and I love that. Um, I have never heard that. That's incredible. Really, I think it was the Dalai Lama. I, I uh, might have to Google that, but it, yeah. Even so, the that, concept it, is life-changing. Yeah, I think so too. Um, just because all of us have a part to play or can have a part to play if we allow for that. Um, so, because I wow. think... I, yeah, I think, I think, you know, people sometimes take the easy road, you know, like, oh, you know, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And, but I think there's more, so much more there to that individual than they're giving themselves credit for. And I think we're at a time in life, you know, with the economic, political sphere of where we're at in the world, people are having to face this choice on do I choose to just let things be as they are? Or do I choose to say, set boundaries and yeah. set a decision on where I slash we slash we all personally stand in this process? And I think, like you said, it comes down to the personal and this individual decision to either choose to stand up or to go with currents. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, I hope people are choosing to stand up because you know, as it is now, a lot of the world societies don't seem that healthy. Um, and it's, it's showing up in all sorts of ways, as, yeah. as we all know. Um, so, the so yeah. Po positives, I've seen people standing up. I'm yeah. watching people stand up. I feel like that is the trend, even if it's not portrayed to be the trend. And yeah. I'm very energized by that. And I think it's really exciting. And what's really intriguing is I think you have directly created steps and actionable things that help people stand up. Mm, yes. Which, yeah. which is really exciting. It's, Thank you. A lot of times it's, um, we should do this. If only we could do this. And to actually have a real transact, something tangible to be yeah. able to act on. That I think is what people have been waiting for. Right. How do we take that next step? And what does that look like? And it is, I believe it comes down to mindfulness. Great. Yeah. Really taking, and then if choosing to take this mindfulness, these books, and you've created one for adults and you've also created them for children. But I think the children's books, honestly, are the books for adults. <laughs> A lot of adults <laughs> will read my books and say, oh my gosh, I need this for myself. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going to put this on my coffee table. So <laughs> totally, I, I see it and I, I I completely understand it. Yeah, and you know, what? I I love what you just said because you know we've been unskillful so long as a as a as a uh, people, um, and I think you're right. It's just time to be really skillful about what we do next, and and I think so. You're right. It's all about being mindful. You know is, is this working? You know, um, 
you know, I think some Native American cultures have a seven generation concept of if we do this now, what will that look like seven generations ahead? Wow. And I, I love that idea of, okay, yeah, we could put this oil refinery here, yeah. you know, or, you know, build this seawall here or whatever it is. But what will that look like uh, to our ancestors or our, yeah, our descendants? Pardon me. Have you ever considered yourself an empath? Is it yes. something you relate with? Is it, I yes. mean, you seem like you're very, I'm going to use the word emotionally aware. How do I you so. reference yourself in that concept? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, my parents were deaf. So I grew up really having to read people's body language and, um, and really be present for them. I feel like that's in some ways, that's where I first started learning mindfulness is um, to just really focus on the people in front of me and analyze, you know, their body language, their tone, um, their hand gestures. Um, and I know my, I'm, my mother was so cute. Whenever I wasn't looking at her when she was talking, she felt that I couldn't hear her. So she would take my chin, you know, gently. <laughs> she would bring it towards her eye, you know, her. So she knew that I was hearing her, quote unquote. Um, and um, so that really helped me be really present with people and look them in the eye and nod my head and really, you know, uh, let them know that I was understanding them. And uh, that's really, I think, made me feel uh, empathic towards people at a really early age. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I think I am an empath. Of course, I'm an un, uh, what's <laughs> un impure empath because it comes and goes. And uh, but it's learned. Yeah. It is, it is. Yeah, it's hard and it's learned. Yeah. Do you feel like you're an empath? Yeah, I do. I, I think if I would have had these books growing up, mm. I, I would be a different person today than I am right now. And, you know, I'm so grateful for the person I am today and all the things. But these concepts that you've walked through here were very challenging for me to understand when I was, you know, through those, those formative years. Just in the sense of I'm feeling everything from everyone else. And I'm, it's almost as if they are my own experiences and emotions. And I'm in turn confused and not understanding what is mine. Right. And that led me to a process of, I need to understand what everyone is experiencing so I can then determine what I'm experiencing. If I can read the way you read on your, your parents, if I can read body language, emotions, facial recognitions, all these different things that are out there in emotional intelligence, then right. it, in turn, I will be able to turn it on myself and say, oh, you're experiencing this. Right. And it was, a, it, it was learned. It was natural at first because there was a, let's use the word discomfort, but then the learned and the challenge came from that process moving forward. Uh, since then, I've recognized that in a lot of ways, when I was focused on others that way, it's, I wasn't focused on myself. Right. And right. Having to switch that around, I think is where these books would come in, in hand because it helps you focus on the you self in those really basic level steps that are so advanced. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you might be right. Um, you know, it, it reminded me as you were talking, it reminded me how when we see a kid that's uh, feeling uncomfortable, it makes us uncomfortable, which is very empathic, but it's, it's sort of, it's also very primal. Mm -hmm. um, and like I was talking about earlier, rather than trying to fix the kids, so no, we're no longer uncomfortable, um, we tend to our own uncomfortability first, mm. you know, they, in mindfulness, they talk about, you know, putting that oxygen mask on first, um, before you attend to the others. Um, and that's really what I think, uh, we're asked to do with mindfulness is notice the empathic, uh, qualities that are occurring in the body, uh, when difficult emotions arise so that we can be uh, there for those people, um, rather than sort of 
sort of take them on and then be hijacked by them ourselves. Because often you, it's like the kid is hijacked and then the adult is hijacked and then the adult having all the power gets to yell at the kid, like stop yelling or stop crying. You're such a baby, you know, and you're, you've got these two children basically showing up in the room. Whereas the, the, you know, the mindful adult needs to tend to their own uncomfortability so they can be the model for what it's like to deal with big emotions. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, that's hard to do. <laughs> but not impossible, you but know. Not impossible. No. Yeah. It's, it's very practical. Right. It's simple, but it's not easy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I have a few questions that I always ask. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. This this is this is the time. <laughs> oh dear. Um, what is consciousness to you? Consciousness is learning to be awake. Perfect. And with that in mind, what mm -hmm. are emotions? I think emotions are bodily sensations that are information that we need to be kind to and listen to and hold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the last one, what is the number one emotion or emotions you feel on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm. Gratitude. Gratitude. Phenomenal. Yeah. Has it always been gratitude? Oh, no. <laughs> um, you know, someone asked me the other day, um, what's on my bucket list? And I, I, you know, I've had a really great life, you know, a lot of fun things, a lot of challenging things. Um, and I just said, you know, to keep working on what it is to be, um, you know, kind, what it is to be present, what it is to be compassionate, um, good listener, um, taking care of my health. Those are my bucket list items. You know, it's not hike Mount Kilimanjaro or, you know, whatever anymore, you know, and I'm not saying that's, you should follow my lead, you know, if you're 20, 30, 40, you know, whatever the age, but that's just where I'm at right now. And it might change. I might have bucket list items that are tangible later on. Um, but right now I'm just really grateful for my health and, uh, my friend's health. Um, so yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's fantastic. It's principles. It's not the accomplishments. It's the principles. Yeah. And the yeah. principles lead to great accomplishments. Right. Cause that's why I got into mindfulness was that all those outside things were no longer filling me up. Um, or I saw their endpoint, you know, um, like, uh, like, you know, I loved, I love running, but I can't run every day, you know, cause I'm 56 and, you know, my knees hurt and my bottoms of my feet hurt. Um, you know, so you just, you just like, it's not about grabbing for things anymore in my life. Um, which is, can be fun and exhilarating, but it eventually it becomes exhausting for me. Um, so I'm just trying to look inward a lot more than I used to. Wonderful. How can people connect with you? How can people help support you in the work that you're doing? And what, okay. is, what does that look like? That's great. Well, uh, sure. We're always looking for funds. Uh, the San Francisco Education Fund is where I have my program, my Mindful Arts San Francisco program. We have 40 volunteers that go into the schools and teach mindfulness to San Francisco school kids uh, in the public school system. And uh, my website is andrewjnance.com. Or, and that'll have a link to mindfulartssf.org. Um, so, but you can go to either one. And um, the books are all there. Um, there's a resource page that's fantastic 
that has lots of videos. So if you're working with kids or have kids in your life, you can watch these cute little cartoon videos. Um, a lot of it isn't mine. Most of it isn't mine. I do have a YouTube channel, Andrew Jordan Nance. Uh, you can go to, and there's lots of fun videos. The wolf story is on that. Um, and uh, yeah, so YouTube, andrewjnance.com, and then mindfulartssf.org. Really great. Really, really great. And if there is one thing that you can leave the our audience listeners the world with to allow them to practice mindfulness more effectively what yeah. does that look like i would say uh learn to take slow deep breaths throughout your day wiggle your toes connect with the belly um because again, it's simple, but it's not easy because we forget and we forget again and again and again. Um, transitions, notice your transitions. Um, you know, how do you feel walking into your house after a long day of work or after a busy day of running errands? You know, notice your transitions and what can you do in those transitional moments that are skillful and beneficial for you to have better next steps? So great. Thank you. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, this, this has been a so pleasure. Great. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you and I were buddies in a past life or something. I agree. I 100% <laughs> agree. Like cool. I said, this is the first time. So for everyone out there, Normally I do audio only, and this is the first time I've ever done a video side because the second we got on the call, it was just like, this is what it needs to be. Like we yeah. are, we're just catching up and we're just having a great time. Yeah. And we could go travel Spain together. Exactly. I, I totally oh, feel it. That's great. The, 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 the road, what's that called? The, um, the, what's the road in Spain? The Camino, Camino something. I'm learning about Spain okay. yeah. in the discovery process. I've only been there once, but yeah, there's this Camino and people in the audience are yelling at us right now because we both should know it. But there's this long, <laughs> there's this long like spiritual trek that you do in Spain and you go from village to village to village. And it's this supposed to be this spiritual journey that wow. thousands and thousands of people go on. Um, so yeah. All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay, cool. I love it. All right. Andrew, All right. thank you so much. Like what you heard? Give it a share. Want to talk about it? Comment or like below. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Actually Connecting Podcast.